Welcome back to another episode of Journal Spotting. Have you been trying to keep up with the medical literature, but you've spent the last few weeks trying to figure out how you can get your parents the COVID vaccine for Christmas? Maybe Amazon have got one. Your ears are in the right place. This is the General Medicine Podcast that will bring you a monthly roundup of the top practice-changing articles, along with specialist interviews, guidelines, and more. We scour the journals so that you don't have to. We are the Journal Spotters. Welcome back to Journal Spotting. This week we have a bonus journal chat. If you stayed awake during my long ramble about statins in last month's episode, you'll have heard a trial about their side effects and the infamous nocebo effect published in the New England Journal in November, also known as the Sampson trial. We managed to track down one of the lead authors of the trial and caught up with them to hear about the trial and how we could translate its findings into clinical practice. Unfortunately, uh, Barney is on nights at the moment, and he's just had a baby, so it's fair to say the man is busy. So it's just me. Um, But before we kick off, we hope you enjoyed last month's roundup of the latest practice-changing medical articles, and we would love to hear from you, so please do get in touch on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do subscribe, rate, and review us, as it's very helpful, and it means you will get your monthly dose of evidence-based medicine straight to your ears. Now, without further ado, uh, I present to you our interview with Dr. James Howard. James is a cardiology registrar at Imperial College London, where he holds an NIHR clinical lectureship, having completed a Wellcome Trust-funded PhD investigating deep learning using convolutional neural networks in clinical cardiology. He has published extensively in cardiovascular medicine, and if all this isn't making you feel bad about your CV already, he's also an accomplished and decorated computer scientist. James, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It, um, it appears that you've had an incredibly productive 2020, despite some fairly seismic um, medical events. You've published, by my count, about 14 peer review articles. I think we, we could maybe kick off with you sharing what your secret is for balancing your clinical and academic work so effectively. Um, well, of course, it, 2020 was sort of the last year of my PhD, which made it much easier. And actually... Uh, being kind of banned from going out and having any fun and things like that, it turns out is really good for writing up your thesis. So other than doing some sort of on-call shifts on ITU and things like that to help out with the big effort, um, it actually just forced me to kind of knuckle down and get stuff done. So um, aren't many good things that have come out of the crisis this year, but um, being forced to do work and no play maybe was one of them for me. Yeah. <laughs> Are their PhDs getting completed around the country? Do you think, thanks to uh, thanks to lockdown? Yeah, as long as it's not as long as you haven't left um, your last couple of experiments on patient-centered research for the last year. In which case, you know, there are a couple of my friends in that situation. For them, it's been particularly tough, and some of them have had to prolong their PhDs. But for me, it was largely sitting in a dark room typing on a computer keyboard. So um, that worked out quite well. Excellent. Well, uh, James, you're here to chat to us today about a recent trial that you co-authored in the New England Journal, which we actually covered on last month's podcast. Uh, Its title is N of 1 trial of a statin placebo or no treatment to assess side effects. And um, we know that statins are very frequently discontinued because of the side effects. And this was a really novel way of investigating this quite important clinical issue. Maybe we could start by hearing from you what the kind of background to this study was and why this particular issue of discontinuation of statins is such a problem in your field. Yeah, absolutely. So they say about 10% of patients will suffer proper statin side effects, uh, which is a lot. 
Um, and actually, there's some data saying that if you look at someone who's prescribed a statin, um, up to about half of them won't be taking it two years later, either because it's felt they don't need it anymore, or very often these sort of side effects. But what's weird is if you look at the randomized controlled trials where they gave half the patients placebo and half the patients statin, and you look at the tablet discontinuation rate, how often people have to come off the drugs, it's basically identical between statins and placebo, which is bizarre for a drug that appears clinically to have so many side effects. So we thought there might be something slightly fishy going on. So we basically designed a trial to try and get the patients that weren't able to take statins and just investigate what was going on. Nice. And so, um, but you used a particular trial design and obviously it's in the title N of one trial. Maybe you could uh, explain to our listeners why the trial was designed in this particular way and what exactly this sort of N of one concept is. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people think it's bizarre that we are able to convince 60 patients with statin side effects so bad previously that they had to stop taking the tablets. Because if you were still taking statins, you weren't allowed in Samson. Um, and one of the reasons we were able to do this was due to our trial design, we were hopefully able to provide each patient with informative information about, where, about the etiology of their side effects. So that's what an N of one trial is. You're able to get data within a patient. You're not just pooling many thousands of patients, but you're getting each patient back at the end of the study and you're giving them personalized data. And the way we did that in Samson was each patient served as their own control. And in fact, each patient actually served as two controls because what happened was they came in and at the start of the year, we gave them a briefcase and there were 12 jars in it. And they took those jars in completely random orders and four of them contained statin. So we knew what their symptoms were like taking statins. Four of them contained a placebo. So we knew what their symptoms were like taking placebo. And four of them, their jars were completely empty and they were taking nothing. And that allowed us to contextualize people's side effects versus taking a sugar tablet and also taking nothing. And we were able to um, give them a lot of hopefully useful information. That's interesting. And how was the, um, the patient recruitment process? Because obviously you have to, I mean, you specifically targeted patients that had discontinued statins previously. Was that, was that quite challenging, recruiting patients to, to get them back on the drug that they discontinued in the first place? So initially, um, so there was sort of two waves in Samson. When we first opened the trial, um, we actually had quite a few patients because um, we had a lot of lipid doctors and preventative cardiologists that we knew who had, who each had a good few really suitable patients on their books that um, had really genuine sounding statin side effects and would be the kind of people who were was so motivated that they'd really enjoy this. And we got sort of glut of them when we opened. And then it went very quiet for a while. Um, but then what happened was we actually put a, um, a piece in the BHF magazine, uh, their Heart Matters magazine, and sent that out. And we were inundated with people wanting to take part in Samson to the extent where we, we initially wanted to recruit 50 patients, but we recruited 60 because so many people wanted to join. And we only had to stop at 60 because we ran out of matched placebo. Because um, actually the most expensive part of this trial was getting the placebo made because it had to look identical 
to the atorvastatin. So we had to get that custom made. So you, you, the only reason why we stopped recruiting at 60 was because we, we physically couldn't recruit anymore. So has no one ever made a completely identical atorvastatin pill before as a placebo? Is that not well, right? the problem is um, uh, we were using generic atorvastatin. So um, whoever makes your generic form, it will look slightly different. So we had to purchase some off-the-shelf generic atorvastatin and then get a, um, an identical placebo manufactured at a, um, it was actually a London-based pharmacy made that for us. Um, but yes, it does mean that if you were then going to go do Samson with a different drug or even a different generic manufacturer, you would have to get another placebo made. That's so interesting. And t- to me, what seemed clever about this was that you're really teasing out the like, you're addressing the subjectivity of people's symptoms. So you're able to compare one patient's symptoms in one month to another to the same patient's symptoms in another month. And so you're kind of addressing how subjective side effect reporting can be in clinical trials in, in that way. I just wonder if we could just touch upon um, what the side effects are that we're sort of talking about. You know, what are the really common side effects that these patients in particular had discontinued their statins for? Yeah, absolutely. So when you talk about statin side effects, you sort of think of two things. You think of the really common things, mostly which are not dangerous, and then you think of the incredibly rare things, and we do mean incredibly rare things, uh, the doctors know about and they worry about. So the sort of incredibly rare things, we're talking about things like rhabdomyolysis, or, you know, actual proper good-going liver damage. The incidence of that is probably about one in a 100,000. Okay, that is very rare. But if you did have definitive, definitive evidence of... Um, statin-associated true biochemical derangement, things like elevated creatinine kinase levels, uh, very abnormal liver function tests, then you weren't allowed in Samson because obviously giving those patients statins again is just completely unethical. But actually, out of the hundreds of patients we approached, only two of them were excluded for that reason. But that's not actually what people are talking about when they're talking about statin side effects. They're talking about the really common things that aren't dangerous, but are very debilitating. And the classical one for that is myalgia. So muscle aches and pains. And in fact, two thirds of the people in Samson, the reason they wanted to take part in Samson was because they were getting myalgia. And initially, we thought long and hard about this. And we thought, should we just limit Samson to patients with myalgia? because that's the thing that physicians look for, and that's the typical thing they're looking for. And if you get people with more vague symptoms than that, maybe they will think we haven't recruited quite the right patients. But we actually decided we're going to get a majority of myalgias anyway, and we would like Samson to be as representative as possible. So we tried to set as few inclusion and exclusion criteria as possible. So actually, we let anyone with any symptom bad enough that they had to come off statins, and they and their doctor genuinely believed it was the statins. If, if both of those were true, they were allowed in Samson. Okay. And um, statins were, in this case, for both primary and secondary prevention? Yeah. The vast majority of our patients, like in the UK, were on it for primary prevention. But we did have people who had had previous bypass grafts, previous stents, previous myocardial infarctions. Um, but yes, the majority were primary prevention. We covered the most, we covered the findings in our last episode. Um, but maybe you could just run us through what you feel are the most significant findings from the Samson trial. What, what do you think it revealed to us? Yeah. So the first thing is what we really want to emphasize is that statin side effects are genuine. People are not making it up 
people really suffer when you give them a statin. But the thing is, they suffer almost as much when you give them a placebo tablet. Um, so it's this nocebo effect that you've spoken about previously. The second thing that we want to highlight is you can help people overcome this nocebo effect, this problem, by actually spending time with them and doing studies like Samson and exploring their side effects. Because half the people in Samson, we were able to get back on a statin and they were still taking it six months later by just sitting down with them and going through their personalized results and showing them their graphs. And this is despite a lot of those patients having such severe side effects that they had to temporarily stop tablets during the trial. They weren't just the 30 patients that didn't get side effects during Samson. They were people who got really, really bad side effects. But when you sit down, you show them that they were also getting really bad side effects when they were taking a sugar tablet, they were able to kind of um, approach their symptoms with a more um, open-minded view. And actually, their symptoms got better. So it actually all comes down to communication and education. And just um, out of curiosity, the other 30 people that didn't go back onto the statins, what were their sort of, did they still have beliefs towards the statins being the cause of the side effects or are just interested what the other 50% felt? Yeah, so about half of them um, were not convinced. They weren't, some of them were convinced still that they had statin side effects. Um, a lot of them weren't sure, um, but therefore were reluctant to restart them. But, but that was only about half the patients, actually slightly less. A lot of the people that weren't taking statins yet weren't taking statins for other reasons other than side effects. So a lot of them had actually had a discussion with their GP and their LDLs had improved and it was felt it was no longer indicated. A lot of them actually hadn't been able to see their GP yet because of the COVID-19 crisis. So we weren't re-prescribing statins at the end of the study because we weren't their ongoing physicians. We told them to go back to their GP and restart a statin if they were happy. And quite a few of them actually were going to restart a statin, but just hadn't had the chance yet. Um, of course, you live and you die by your endpoint. And our endpoint was not, do you want to restart a statin? It's, are you taking it now? And so we didn't include those patients. Um, but it may well be in a year or so's time, uh, that number isn't just 50%, it's quite a bit higher. But we'll have to see. Yeah. And I guess the other thing to say there is that the data that you've given those patients might percolate over a number of months and on a, you know, on their third visit to their GP, they might think, oh, okay, my LDL is a bit high. I might revisit this idea that I'm, I don't actually have side effects that are, you know, from the statin itself. Don't know if that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a really great kind of take home in terms of what this trial is trying to emphasize is the importance of communication around statins. What would be your advice to the general medic when they're dealing with statins and side effects in terms of taking this N of one trial and applying it to their own practice? So the first thing is, um, I think we should approach statins with a more optimistic outlook. I don't think we should hide information from patients, but I also think you have to be careful that you're not priming patients to expect side effects that randomized control trials have previously shown are actually very rare if you judge rarity as 
worse than placebo. Okay. Myalgia, I truly believe is a very rare side effect from statins in people that, um, are not primed to expect myalgia. There will be some, um, every drug can solve side effects, but statins is not a common one. If we do not prime people for myalgia with ramipril and aspirin, then I don't think we should be doing it with statins either. So I think a more intelligent kind of consent process and patient uh, information process is one thing. However, the difficulty is everyone knows about statins. So I think a lot of the time, it's not the doctors tend to expect myalgia, it's their friends or it's the newspapers. And I think in that situation, you have to be really honest with the patient and explain to them the trial data and things like Samson. Because what Samson showed is patients are actually really intelligent and they do understand this data. And once you sit down with them and speak it through with them, their symptoms get better and they don't get myalgia anymore. So actually spend a little bit more time and show people the data from these trials and the data from Samson. The difficulty is, of course, the way Samson was able to do this was with an N of one trial. And in our daily practice at present, we can't do N of one trials. You know, we do not have briefcases full of matching atorvastatin and placebos. But it would be really good in the future if that changed. And maybe uh, there is a scope for someone, maybe us, maybe someone else, to manufacture uh, boxes of 12 jars, four empty, four at over 20, four uh, identical placebos, and actually do some within patients' N of one trials. Because Samson shows people are up for it. Everyone has a smartphone now. That was how we gathered the data. At the start of the trial, most of our patients, we were giving free iPhones to allow them into Samson. But towards the end of the trial, people were turning up with their Android phones and their iPhones and they were just going about their daily, their normal daily lives. And instead of just looking at the weather or whatever they do in the morning, they also run their, their little Samson app as well. So I, I do think it could be a practical thing in the future, but just not yet. Do you think there's um, a certain bias introduced by the that app, which is sort of asking someone on a daily basis if they're having symptoms? Do you think that could have played a role? If you're being prompted constantly, if you have symptoms, you may be more likely to report them. Um, that is certainly possible. Um, fortunately, the fact that we have control arms means that we can hopefully subtract um, any incremental data. I suppose your, your question is, could that make the nocebo effect uh, of a higher magnitude? Um, and yeah, I do believe that. But I also think that's the whole thing that got us into this problem in the first place. The reason why, if you believe the previous randomized control trials, and if you believe Samson, then the logical next question is why are statins so bad for this nocebo effect? Because when we start patients on aspirin in clinic, very few of them come back to us and say they can't, unless they have a, uh, unless they have like a, a stomach bleed, very few of them come back and say, I can't take it anymore. But loads of people on statins do. And if, if it's not the statin molecule itself, it must be patient beliefs. And therefore, we have to break that cycle. And yes, um, giving them an app and telling them to tell us every day uh, may be making their symptoms worse, but something else is already making their symptoms much, much worse than it should be. And that's the newspapers and, um, and patients' beliefs and probably doctors as well. So yes, it is a problem, but it was already a huge problem. And do you, James, do you, um, when you're starting someone on a statin, do you say that they're... Myalgia is a side effect. 
What's so your... actually, I don't speak to them about certain side effects at all when I start them on statin. The vast, to be honest, I very, very rarely start statins for primary prevention. I would say 99% of the statins I start are in inpatients um, who have just had myocardial infarction. And I'm not just starting the statin. I'm starting dual antiplatelet therapy and a statin and often an ACE inhibitor and a beta blocker as well, all at the same time. And we tell them they may get side effects, but actually the side effects we warn them about, actually more things like hypotension and bradycardia. And I don't feel the need to consent them for statin-related side effects because if they develop myalgia, they will complain about it. And um, I truly believe that they will it is incredibly unlikely they will develop true myalgia mediated by a statin molecule. So I, I don't, I don't consent them for myalgia and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. That that's really helpful. And what do you think is the, um, is there a next stage to the Samson trial? Do you think there's, I mean, I think that's really interesting that kind of, it's almost like a personalized medicine where you run an N of one trial on your own patients to say, okay, we'll just double check if this is nocebo or the statin. Um, is that something that you're working towards or? Yeah, so we're looking into it. Um, it's not the most straightforward thing because um, there are so many people that have to come kind of involved in the process. We talked about making the placebo, but you also have to have general practitioners or lipid doctors or general medical doctors who are able to sort of show their patients how to install the app, for example, and access the data and counsel them and tell them what to do. Um, so there's lots of stages, but yes, we're at the early stages of thinking about doing that. But the other thing we're thinking about doing is, and I suspect other groups around the world are now probably, is whether we can use the Samson design for other diseases and other problems. So I think an obvious one in cardiology is beta blockers and heart failure. Um, because we know beta blockers and heart failure actually make heart failure better and actually make people live longer. So you should expect beta blockers might make patients feel better, but we get a lot of patients feeling worse. Now, is that feeling worse? Progression of their heart failure. Is that feeling worse than a SIBO effect? Or is that feeling worse a direct effect of the beta blockers? And in a lot of patients, unlike with statins, it might well be because they are negatively inotropic and they are bradycardic drugs. Um, and I think therefore doing an N of one trial in that is particularly exciting. So that's something our group is thinking of, but, um, there's no reason why this is just limited to cardiology. This could be any drug, anything you can do a crossover trial, anything where it wears off, you can't do it for surgery. Um, but any, any time you can, uh, you don't need a hugely long washout period and it's reversible. I think this design could be really useful. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much, James. And um, yeah, really fascinating trial and, and definitely some really important points to take home. Um, if you could just leave our listeners with one or two key take home messages that you think will are important for their clinical practice, what, what would they be? So the first thing is when a patient comes to you with statin side effects, believe them. Don't, don't look at Samson and think that means that their side effects aren't real the opposite the side effects are very real the patients felt dreadful taking placebo tablets compared with taking nothing it it does exist it's just caused by the nocebo effect and the only way you will get over that is by patient education and exploring their symptoms and maybe in the future doing an n of one trial for them Brilliant. James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And um, yeah, maybe we'll catch up in the future. 
Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much for having me. You have been listening to Journal Spotting. Information and animations from today's show can be found on our website, journalspotting.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Special thanks to logo designer Natalia Florman, animations expert Costa, and promotion team Abby and Isabel. Disclaimer time. This podcast is for educational use only. The views expressed are opinions based on our experience, experience of our guests, and the literature we read. We are not affiliated with institution. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use the information we share to make decisions on how to treat your patients or even yourselves.